For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We have an amazing guest today, Lisa Ireland, that we're going to have on in about five minutes talking about film packaging, how to get your film done, all sorts of stuff. Um, Right now, we're going to do a quick quick catch-up with Hollywood News. We are on with Paul. G'day, Paul. How are you doing? How are you doing, world? So, a couple of things. One, um, I found this really interesting. Dr. Phil is actually suing because of all the bullshit stories that they've been putting out about him. And I'm really, really impressed by this um, because he had, he had an order that made them stop printing these stories. And as soon as the order was up, they started putting up stories that he was beating his wife and just, you know, all of this nonsense. And one thing I have to say, I've known producers that have worked on his show. I've known... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everyone from, from PAs to executives over there. And Why do they have to smear him? Why do they have to make stuff up? Don't they have enough stuff that's true that they can, you know? Not really about him. Um, mm. he's, he's nice to everyone. He's, oh, okay. it's, it's really funny. I mean, he knows the names of the PAs that work there. He's, from what I've heard from all accounts, just a genuinely nice human being. His wife oh, is incredibly involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very rare thing where you're you know, where we're not talking horribly about somebody on this show, um, which is really really interesting. Sorry, Alexis is pointing at her phone, going the app, and I have no idea what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> what's going on? Focus, focus. Oh yes, uh, he put Story's his wife put out an app. No, she's she's telling me his wife just put out an app, and it's a wonderful thing. It's called Aspire. And what it is, it's an app um, that they put out for free. They pulled the cost out of out themselves. And it's an app for women that are being abused or for people or, or men that are being abused or for people that are in danger. And when you open the Aspire app, it looks like a news app. But when you go into the help section, it lets you set up um, how to get help. And all you have to do is hit this app three times, the top bar of this app three times when you're in trouble, and it'll mm-hmm. send off a notification to whoever you have in your saved me box. And it can be a friend, it can be 911, it can be all sorts of things. And so they did this at their own, at, at their own cost. Um, and they've been, I mean, before he was doing this, he's, you know, he's worked on behalf of children, he's dealt with criminal forensics. Um, where children were concerned. It's, it's amazing that there's so many bad things to genuinely say about horrible people in Hollywood that mm-hmm. you would go pick on one of the few nice guys. 
And that's what I find truly bizarre because, you know, Hollywood knew about Bill Cosby. Everyone knew about all of these horrible things, but you're going to go pick on Dr. Phil McGraw. Yeah, I, I mean, I never really watched the show. Kind of great on you, but yeah, I, I don't watch the show. Good thing for humanity because that sounds like a, that sounds like a good, you know, make the world a better place app. It is, know? and he puts out a lot of things like that, and he's used his platform to do so much for charity, um, and his wife does so much for children, and it's things you don't hear about. These aren't things in the tabloids, and the people that work with him and his wife just say it is the best experience. So I find it interesting, you know, and people asked him, why are you suing it? And he said, because I can. Because not one story has been true where with other people, some are true, some aren't, and they really don't want their real dirty laundry aired. Mm -hmm. Dr. Phil said, none of this is true. I've got nothing to hide. I'm coming straight after you. So he's suing them, and he's not just suing them uh, for money. He's demanding that they stop the bullshit stories about everyone. That's what he's suing for. And right, so that, set a precedent that, so that not to you know so that these people don't attack other good guys. Exactly, and so I was I was girls. really impressed. Yeah. I was really impressed by this. I was like, yeah, take that TMZ. I'm still I'm still mad at TMZ. They filmed me with my dress over my head. Yeah. Um, so. they, they, they they've hacked on me twice, and they lied yeah. about a buddy of mine who had committed suicide, and it was and I really don't like them very much. They did that with a, a friend of ours, um, Sam Sarpong that passed a while back and that happens. So there, there is a lot of shady stuff that goes on. Um, and I think what's unfortunate is it buries the real stories. There are real stories of real pedophiles in Hollywood. I'm listening to what happened to the Corys. There are real stories of real bad guys and these news outlets could be used in a way to expose that. Um, and, and stop the clandestine nonsense, but instead they're going after Phil McGraw. So, I, I, that was grating on me, and that was what Alexis was swinging in the background. She was talking about the app. She was so impressed by this app, and she said everyone should have it on their phone, not just women, not just people being abused, um, especially people in Hollywood because, you know, we have some weird people. I've, I've had people come up to me that listen to this show um, that are wonderful, but on the flip side, I've had some creepy stalkers in my life. So um, I think it's a good app for everyone to have. It's called the Aspire app. I'm talking about this app. I'm not paid to. I have no affiliation with it, anything like that. Um, this and I'm isn't, assuming you know, Alexis will put a link to it in the show notes. Alexis will put a link to it in the show notes. It's a great, yeah. great app. So if you guys have a chance, check that out. Um, we are on with Lisa Ireland today. Lisa, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Summer. It's great to be on. Um, we're very, very glad to have you. I know we, we kind of jumped you in while we were complaining about the, uh, the tabloid portion of the industry. So I'm just going to jump in there and say, what do you think about all of this? About all the nonsense I, I, I think it's maddening and I think it's despicable. And I echo every one of your sentiments. Really? This is who we're going to go after? This is who we're going to target? It's yeah. ridiculous. And, and that's exactly it. If you want to target someone, you know, I'm, I'm under some NDA, so I'm not going to say it. But, like, there, there are legitimate people in Hollywood you should go after. Kesha's manager, for one. Like, that he legitimately did rape her. Um, I'm friends with one of the publicists that twisted that, and she quit her job over it because she was pushed in that direction. So there are legitimate bad guys. Come on, magazine people. Go after them. 
Sorry, so well, and, there was and the way that he and his wife have really dedicated their their time to make America better, to make people's lives better, to make a difference. I mean, that's that's the whole point of their careers. That's how they spend their their lives, and it, the whole thing is just really shocking. Good for him. Good for them for suing. I'm I'm really glad they are. I think that I think that if he can make precedent in that case, if he can make it stop, if anyone can, he can because he's not afraid of any of their stories coming back. It's pub, you know, he doesn't beat his wife. He's not doing drugs and he doesn't have a mistress. Um, the man, you know, I, I work with his producers. Um, I've worked with a few of his producers, and they're like, he doesn't have time to breathe. His shows on five days a week. I mean, if if anyone outside the industry. Um, if, if you're working on a show that is on five days a week, you have no idea how many hours a day you're spending on set. Like, you really, you really don't. You're, you can be there up to 18 hours in one day, but at least 12. I, so, I hope he doesn't back down. Um, I don't think he will. He's gone really, really public with this and started, and, and started saying this either, is what doing. So I think, yeah, I think you'll see that out to the end. So do I. And I think it will make a big difference because I think it will stop drowning out the real stories. And I think part of the reason Bill Cosby got away with what he did for so long, um, I can say I was guilty of it. One of my, my old boss um, who uh, over at Paramount, one of my old bosses, warned me never to work with him. I mean, this was a known thing and there were little stories, but everyone brushed him off because everything these tabloids say are bullshit. So when something real comes out, we don't see it. And I find that a little bit shocking. Um, I think we're just really kind of drowned in the Britney Spears didn't wear her panties culture so that we're missing when there are, when there are some really bad things. And, you know, I, I don't want to pick on Hollywood and say that it's misogynistic, but I know I'm the only girl in that boardroom. All right. So <laughs> I just That's want that right. That's I'm right. sorry. <laughs> now, I'm going I'm to ask you, Lisa, how, how did you get into this industry? You know, I've been in this industry for almost 20 years. I, I started out really on the replication side um, for video cassettes, um, actually doing the copies, making the copies. I worked for a manufacturer of that. Back, back in the day, there was Technicolor, there was Rank, there was a company called Allied. And what we really provided... Um, I would say back in the 80s were, I mean, there was an explosion of video cassettes, right? Yes. And yeah, how yeah. that has changed over the last 20 years and how packaging has really played a significant role in all of those retail sales. I mean, why I'm so passionate about packaging is, you may not know this, but packaging in North America for multimedia only, I'm not even talking about consumer, I'm not talking about healthcare, just multimedia, just entertainment, is a $0.3 billion industry just in North America, okay? I mean, that is pretty impressive. Now, there definitely is a lot going on in the market in terms of how it's, it, it's absolutely going to decline. About 8% is the projection annually from that number um, by 2020, and that's simply because of Netflix and all of the digital downloads. But if, if you don't think that packaging hasn't gone through some amazing innovation for decorative technologies in the last 10, 10 years, then you just haven't been paying attention at retail. I mean, I don't know how many of your fans are still buying packaging for collector sets and theatrical releases, but the fact that that yeah. still is $0.3 billion uh, is pretty amazing a year. 
and the companies so, that I've worked for. Um, well, for the I, I, I want to interrupt, and I mm-hmm. I want to I want to ask really quickly for those that don't know what exactly do you mean by packaging for people trying to get in or people trying to understand, um, and some of our listeners aren't in entertainment. What do you mean by packaging? Sure. Well, in 2010, when James Cameron and Fox Home Entertainment released Avatar, they released it. You could go to your local Best Buy. You could go to your local Tower Records. You could purchase the DVD and DD retail packaging and take that movie home. And that physical packaging for the distribution of the movies is what we're talking about here. But that's also really um, inclusive of gaming and music, which certainly is not what it used to be before um, everything went digital, but there's still an amazing audience to go purchase collector sets and television shows, theatrical releases are yeah. just a piece of it. There's also all the television series and the that's really the added value, right? When you go to Costco and you want to get a complete series on DVD or Blu-ray and you want to get you know, behind the scenes, you want to get extra clips, you want to maybe get packaging that has something special in it, a tchotchke or a poster or something collectible or commemorative. That's the sort of set packaging that I'm talking about that comprises that $0.3 billion a year in packaging. It's it's part of when you go to like Comic-Con, you pick up the evil deads that have the melted face covers on them and you can buy like Gone with the Wind and the Velvet Boxes. And so what it is, it's the public presentation and the, the imagery and how it is sold to the public. That's right. And Comic-Con, actually a few years ago, one of our packages for um, an amazing Indiana Jones collector set that held the the Blu-ray packaging, it was dropped into a snake pit and it was photographed there at Comic-Con and it was quite spectacular to have snakes crawling all over the packaging. But that's really what the studios for the last 10 to 15 years, they really pulled out all the stops and spent a lot of money on packaging to differentiate their theatrical release or their catalog release from the competing studios, right? To, to really fight exactly. to get that market share from the consumers to buy the movie, to not just go see it in the movies, but to then buy it, take it home, and watch it over and over. And the way that they did that was to come up with distinctive packaging. And Avatar is a really great example because that was literally in 2010 – that was the highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. And to this day, that still holds the record for the most money that was spent on print and packaging in, in our day for a movie release that would, people would buy and take home and watch over and over and over. And the, and and the studio really wanted something unique. Yeah, well, I have the DVD sitting on my shelf. You know, it's, so Paul's it's sitting there looking job. at it. Well, we have to go to break, guys. I'm cutting in. When we get back, it was was really construction that had never been done before for how to house the BD disc, right? Because they're quite sensitive and they have to have a special coating. I want to get more into this, but we got to go to break. As soon as we get back, we'll talk about this and we'll talk about what. what we're talking about with the seating. When we get back, I'm Summer Helene. We are on with Lisa Island and Paul Michael Bolin. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll be back in a minute. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day guys, welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with Lisa Ireland and Paul Michael Bolin. We're talking about film packaging um, and, and how, kind of how to get noticed and why people like to touch and why it's a lot more fun to have something in your hand than something in your cloud. But before we get back to that, I want to give um, a quick shout out. Um, you guys hear me talk a lot about Dow over at David Andrews Salon. He does a lot of my hair for red carpets and events and a lot of... Um, television interviews and things like that that I do. He's he's fantastic. Well, he just lost his partner, Kevin, um, to pneumonia. So Kevin Kevin just lost his battle with pneumonia. Um, if you get a chance, ch- check out on some Helene and behind the scenes. There's a GoFundMe for them to help with funeral expenses. I know I'm putting in on it. Um, it's actually a really tragic story. So if you guys get a chance... Check out that GoFundMe. Um, I know it would mean a lot to Dow because he did. He just lost the love of his life. So um, he does fantastic hair. And that's kind of like what I normally talk about. And we've had him on the show, as you guys know before, talking about red carpet hair and styling. But he's he's kind of going through a lot. So send him a message of love um, or, you know, put a couple of bucks in the GoFundMe if you can. But at least send a message of love his way because I know he could really use it right now. All right, guys, um, from that depressing note, welcome back to the show. We are talking about packaging. Now, you mentioned uh, during the break, Lisa, when they released Noah, they put it in a wooden box. Yes, um, Paramount actually worked on several, what I want to refer to as first for retail packaging. And Noah is a great example where the the folks that were putting together the, we, we refer to the art on the front of the package as the key art. 
and they wanted something that when you walk into Best Buy and you see that art on the shelf, they wanted the consumer to be able to pick it up and see that it was real wood, like the ark. And so that's what was used to make this first, it's a Blu-ray O-card that holds the case that the movie sits in, and it was done for the first time with real sheer veneer wood. And what was really spectacular about that is as a consumer, if you were to go purchase that movie from Best Buy, every consumer would have a slightly different looking package because as we all know, real wood has different patterns and grains and the, you know, literally the look of the grain direction and the little holes from the wood knots are all going to be different for every card that was made. So you're really buying into a very unique, tangible piece of the arc, if you will, as opposed to just, you know, downloading it. Maybe, you know, maybe you watch it, maybe you don't pay $5.99. But this is something you're going to go back and you're going to have and you're going to pull out and you're going to show your guests and you're going to feel and you're going to own it and you're going to own it forever. And now I find that very, very interesting. I think packaging is part of what makes you find people that have large film collections. Paul, I know you're one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, the limited editions are always set that way. They're mm-hmm. always set in um, in unique packaging. Is packaging part of the appeal? I, I have to ask you this, Paul. Uh, well, it can be. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a wonderful... Uh, Battlestar Galactica thing, there was a Cylon head. I know that's it's on my shelf. And the Breaking Bad thing that came in one of those uh, yellow cans that they had the chemical, the representative of the ones they had the chemicals in from the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could. I, I love collecting this kind of stuff. I, I don't have no, but I didn't really care for that movie. I didn't really get what those creatures were that were like coming out of the ground and stuff. But good looking DVD. Well, and I think it's particularly notable for franchises such as Star Wars. If you've been a fan of Star Wars over the years and you've bought the first and the second and the third movie, maybe you're not going to go buy the fourth, fifth, and sixth unless you can buy them all together as a new collector set. And so that's exactly what that studio did when they released Star Wars Saga that I worked on in 2011. And it was a a beautiful representation of art across all the different movies, all together in a book-like package that looked and felt like a book. And it gave the consumers a reason to go back and reinvest in the franchise. And to, you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, when you get into a series on television and you buy the first season and the second season, maybe you were a huge Sons of Anarchy fan and you bought each of those first few seasons as they came out. But then when they released the collector set and they had all the seasons together at the end, you're going to go back and probably reinvest and buy that if you're a big fan because you've got to now have the collector set. So, you know, packaging, I think it really is, is very effective, particularly for, fan, for franchises. Transformers was another really great example um, Again, just referring to a very simple Blu-ray package that you could go buy uh, at Target. It was a retail-specific package for Target. And they really needed, the studio really needed a package that was going to be very different on shelf and was really going to show the characters, um, the, the bots. 
in a, in a way that you could feel it and touch it, and they would be raised off of the package. And this, this package that I'm referring to that we created for Transformers Age of Extinction was done on a very unique type of paperboard that came from Europe that allowed the bots to be raised off of the paper that the consumers could feel that, right? And it just had power. And it, it makes you want kids see it, right? The target audience of kids see it and feel it. Mama, buy me this. And you take it home, and now you're part of that franchise. You're part of that collection. And you can hang on to that for years and years. I, I don't know about you, Paul, but I certainly have closets filled with packaging of movies and collector sets. And let's not even get started talking about music. Yeah, well, I that's mean, it. I, and I, Sorry, Paul. No, no, I still have a... Uh, the uh, collector's edition for Fargo, the snow globe of the wood chipper scene that was That's right. that you got as a bonus when you bought the collector's edition VHS. Yeah. Amazing. I, did I that. think that's still sitting over there. I think people um, realize there's a value there. There is a a value to these collector's items, and if you look back, things from the 1940s and 50s now that were collectors editions of records even then they were doing not to the same degree but they were doing it then are worth a fortune now so I think it's interesting and to a degree uh, can be an investment depending on what and where and the popularity Mm -hmm. of the film on the flip side um, we we have the epic fails Um, I brought up John Carter as something that I didn't think was packaged well. I don't think it was sold well. It definitely wasn't marketed well. You didn't get sci-fi film from John Carter. So that to me would be um, a a fail. But what do you think of the fails? On the the flip side, we've talked about the successes. Where do you think um, the packaging fails are? Because I don't think people realize how important packaging really is. Yeah, I I did not work on John Carter, so I can't speak to that, but I I can tell you that there's nothing that the studios hate worse, right, than when they overbuy and they get a bunch of returns and then they have to pay restocking fees and, you know, it just turns into a huge waste where they've got inventory sitting at at the replicator that actually makes the movie discs that you buy and put into your machine. I mean, executives so, were fired over John Carter. It was it was a debacle. I mean, they they fired some bigwigs over that one. And, you, and, it was a, and I liked the movie. It was a good movie. It was, but did you know? But unless you knew what it was, you didn't know what it was. Yeah, everybody was saying, "Oh, this is like every other science fiction movie." Yeah, well, this or the original novel set the tone for every freaking science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. So. But people didn't understand when they went in to see it that it wasn't even a sci-fi film. There were some people that thought it was going to be a uh, political thriller and all kinds of weird nonsense. Yeah, um, it and, and you're right. Studios do hate when we have... Like, if, if, if you've got stuff coming back in and it's costing us money, people are going to have a fit. Um, where do you think... Like, what, what do you think was the worst packaged film? Not that you've necessarily worked on. One that... Or we don't have to call it the worst, but one that you think could definitely have done better. Hmm. Um, probably one that I didn't buy, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to come up with it. There's so many. I, I think that it's probably easier to look at it from the perspective of the ones that succeed are those that the producers themselves 
are extremely involved in all the yes. way through to the final color of the package before it's approved and released to go be printed. And you probably wouldn't know that about the major producers and directors and writers of all of the films that you see, right? Everything from DreamWorks and... Um, you know, things that you wouldn't imagine that people would get involved in from a talent perspective, right? I mean, there, there was a very specific situation on one of the Transformers titles where we were on press literally until the 11th hour because there was a tiny little shadow that was on the lip of one of the characters on the front of the cover. And it was going to make it look like that character had a little shadow, almost had a little mustache. And <laughs> everyone was wigging out and flipping out because they knew that when they sent that back to the ex- executive producer, that he would absolutely go crazy, right? And not, not be happy about yeah. it. And well, so I- when you're talking about micromanaging, really, and getting the right shade, the right color, every detail is so fine, fine, infinitely looked at. Um, to such a degree, you know, for something that you wouldn't think they would even be involved in. But that's no, why they've been like so successful. you're talking like micromanaging and Bayhem, you know, What's that? Michael Bay. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's he, right. he does great jobs on his collector's edition DVDs. I have most of them. He kept that, the Criterion well, that's right, Collection and alive. Produced with, most of them. Yeah, he mm-hmm. kept the uh, Criterion involved. Collection alive because of his, he let uh, the collector's edition of Armageddon and The Rock be Criterion's. So, you know, I, I think, I think uh, some are really, you'd have to go back and look at maybe where they, they weren't so involved, what, what directors and producers maybe stepped away and weren't so involved. Those were probably the ones that weren't as successful. But most of the blockbusters and what we refer to in the industry as the summer blockbusters and the tentpole titles, the big ones that come out every year, those are the ones that really get managed, you know, to, to just the tenth degree for every color, for every what we refer to as how we decorate them, what kind of feel you're going to put on the package, what sort of um, paper you're going to use, if it's going to be shiny, if that's going to be reflective of the film, and how it's all going to tie together with the billboards and the major posters that you see around town when these I, films come out, right? Like, it all has to mm-hmm. have a theme and I work don't together. Think, I don't think people realize how what really goes into a film. Um, I can tell you, uh, when I was involved with, like, Guardians of the Galaxy... And that one was having a lot of trouble in Asia. So we had to go back in and remarket because the marketing had been done poorly in the first place in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of films that don't, that, that would surprise you. And I think what really goes into, uh, you mentioned uh, a tentpole film. Those are make or breaks. And that's, um, it, from, from an executive perspective, that's how we look at it if those will make or break, because I can tell you if a temp hole flops, executives are getting fired, people are getting, like the, the place is getting cleared just mm-hmm. because no one can take that. That is a huge, huge, huge amount of money. And down to the packaging, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are involved and the amount of work that is involved. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's an incredible undertaking um, when you really look at it. And, when you look at something like a little shadow making a difference, 
you would be surprised. You can go on YouTube and see things from Harry Potter where there was a reflection of a boom mic. People tear it apart online and online is so damn important now. We are going to go to okay. break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more with Lisa Ireland about what got her in the industry and what advice she would give to people who want to be in the industry now, her best and worst experiences. I'm Summer Helene. We're on with Lisa Ireland and Paul Michael Bolan. This is Behind the Scenes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I know you were expecting Summer Helene, but this is her assistant, Alexis Romero. Summer actually had to run to the ladies' room, and we'll be back momentarily. But we have Paul Michael Bolin on and the wonderful Lisa Ireland. Hey, hey, hey. Cannot believe you announced that on air. She's supposed to. <laughs> there needs to be a code word. Like, Summer is dealing with a, 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 a broken cell. I don't know. I don't know what I could be dealing with. But you don't need so to. Now like, she won't get out of the trailer or something. I don't know. I know. Like, so I'm, I'm going to go get her out of a trailer. She broke her leg. I don't care what you say. You don't need to. I, I love Alexis. She's just straight. She's just honest. She's like, she's in the bathroom. She's like, well, I'm Summer, running right back. before we went to break. Back. 
You were mentioning how you really feel that a lot of people are just not aware of how many people are involved and how much goes into the success of a movie. And again, I think that the package that was done, the packaging that was done for Avatar was another really great example about that specifically because you'd be shocked to know that just the packaging for that movie, there were five different companies across the U.S. and Mexico that were all involved in producing the packaging that was created that the Blu-ray and the DVD disc went into. So there were hundreds and hundreds of employees that were involved in just creating the packaging. But it took months of testing. You know, there were, there were structures. When I say structures, I'm talking about the actual box that was created to house those Blu-ray discs and DVDs so they wouldn't scratch. And, and they needed to all, the structures need to be different. And so, you know, that's really what's been the most, I should say, impressive change in the packaging industry in the last 10 years has been that everybody's been trying to, for lack of a better term, one-up each other, right? So there's been innovation after innovation that's been done to make coatings more interesting, papers more interesting, what you do you know, to make, to decorate those packages, and then how efficiently you can do them, and then, of course since the rise of Netflix and digital downloading, what you can do to do it all for less money, to make it less expensive, exactly. and to do it at smaller well, now, quantities. Because now I, I with the digital to, downloads I do now, to... people, you're not, you're not producing 10 million units of a package of something anymore. You might be producing half a million units exactly. of a package. Well, but I do you don't have want to, to give up any of those innovations. So personal... there's been quite a lot going on in the last decade. So, well, personal opinion, I, I do have to say, um, Paramount's done it the best. Just, just, they really just have. Pers- They've done yeah, a great just, job. <laughs> just personal and opinion has nothing to do with them signing the a paycheck for me. <laughs> um, no, um, really, I, I agree with you. People have leaps and bounds. I mean, it's been leaps and bounds. But I think what's had to happen is there also has to be a digital packaging now, which was something that didn't happen before. When you get into buying things online, you can buy... Um, buy something online that comes with a little game or all kinds of things. So I'm starting to see digital packaging um, is is getting really unique itself. It comes with a free app. It comes with this. It comes with that. It's interactive with um, uh, that you can interact with. And it's, it's interesting to see how they've taken it into the digital realm. And that's what I'm excited to see is how packaging moves into a digital realm and how people get attention now in this flood of uh, internet bullshit is the only way I know how to put it. I'm going to ask you, Lisa, I, I want to know about your best and worst experiences. Remember, this is an 18 and over show, so I don't care what you say. Um, <laughs> well, and like you, I can't call out any specific movies or producers. Yeah. But um, I can certainly, you know, mention that one of my one of my worst experiences has been, you know, how sometimes you can have fifty people look at something and they all miss it, right? Yep. And so imagine if you if you have spent several months working on a package that's just about to go up on the printing presses, and suddenly somebody discovers that oh my gosh, there was a running time of the movie that actually is, is a typo. 
or the name of, of one of the stars has been spelled incorrectly. And you get all the way to that point where you've, God forbid, started to print that package. And that happened to me on one movie in particular, not less than three times. And I won't mention what film it was, but literally we were, we were, we had the presses rolling and they were transmitting files electronically, new art files electronically, because three times in a row they caught something wrong with the art file that everybody had missed for a couple of months leading up to it. And it was a tent pole. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, and I won't say what studio. But right. those I are the mean, sorts like, of things. What's that? No, like how many people looked at the art, original artwork that went onto the video box of The Little Mermaid? I mean, oh, yeah, hundreds of eyes the on that, and nobody noticed that there was a wiener uh, Right yeah, the there, there, there are things like that that you do miss. Um, I can say I've, in, in my experience, I've had people come running in and go, we're fucked. And I'm looking at them going, what? And that's the only thing that's come out of their mouth. And then they've thrown something on the desk or they've thrown something at me to look at. And I'm looking and going, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until they point in a circle and I'm sitting there going, oh, dear. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. just... Well, and and I would say probably one of the most fun experiences that I had was way back when former Vice President Al Gore um, decided that he was going to release the movie, An Inconvenient Truth, and he gave um, can, can I cut Paramount in? Studios. What's Hang that? on, let me, let me cut in real quick. That is a brilliant film. If you guys have not seen it, please, please watch it. It is an incredible film. Um, I'm not saying it's the most entertaining film, but I am saying it is an incredible film. If you get a chance, please do watch An Inconvenient Truth. Sorry, Lisa, I just wanted to throw that out there. Please continue. It is amazing, and it was quite an opportunity to work on the packaging for that film. But Paramount Worldwide Home Entertainment, President Kelly Avery at the time, was really, really proud to be playing a part in bringing that documentary's message to people. And one of the challenges that they had as a studio at the time was they really needed a resource to help them come up with an environmentally friendly, an earth-friendly package for this movie. And I was the girl that did it. And it was really, it was a remarkable experience because it was the first time that we domestically as a country put out a Blu-ray movie, or in this case it was DVD, it was before Blu-ray, And it was done in 100% recycled paper. The package was made of 100% recycled paper. And, you know, I have to say that that now has become, that really was the driving force that really started Target and a lot of the retailers to really start to take a hard look at their packaging and their footprint. And it was really, you know, an exciting time because it showed how you could really have a movie, in this case a documentary, have such a great impact across so many levels. So that for me was definitely one of the highlights of my career and uh, certainly it was with your favorite studio, Paramount Summer. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it has to be my favorite studio. They pay me money. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. Okay, okay. It's, it's my favorite for many reasons, but... Um, but it, exactly, it's. Um, I, I will say um, I'm not familiar actually with the marketing of an inconvenient truth. Um, I worked with a couple of publicists 
long-term who dealt um, as far as reputation with Al Gore and things like that because after the movie, there was actually some negative feedback towards him. People thought he was an environmental kook, um, which he's not. He is absolutely right. Please watch this damn movie. Um, But it it was interesting to see the the pushback politically because of the film, the political pushback he received, which is what created um, a lot of this, this negative press for him. That was around the time he was running for president, wasn't it? It it was, it was, Um, and that was, and that was part of it, and that was part of what fed into that whole, that whole problem. And I find Mm -hmm. it really remarkable that someone can put out such a brilliant film, and and it shows you the power of marketing. It really does. It was a brilliant film, did well. Documentaries historically, I mean, you have you know ones like Super Size Me that do well, but for the most part, documentaries are not our big money areas at all. Um, well, this was back in 2006, and it mm-hmm. did gross $22.7 million in U.S. theaters, which was a huge amount for a documentary. And uh, I have um, actually a, an old article I'll send to you, Summer, just for your Please. future um, look at. It's from The Hollywood Reporter from uh, September of 2006, and it, and it talks about that and how a portion of the proceeds from the sale of each DVD was donated to Alliance for Climate Protection, which was a bipartisan environmental group. So he worked pretty hard to, you know, really try to cross the aisle and, and really make it a bipartisan effort. And, um, you know, of course, Melissa Etheridge was pretty famous in that. Uh, her music video, I Need to Wake Up, was done. But... Um, a lot of people were involved in that, and I think it was a tremendous success. So I'll, I'll send you that article, but um, definitely one of the best packages as well. I, I agree with that, and I've heard um, the, the way I've heard that film classified, and we talk about politics a little bit here sometimes, was that it was uh, a film success and a political nightmare for him. Yes. Yeah, and that was absolutely. and that was so unfair because it was a brilliant film, and to see something that good turned on someone, I find I find terrible. That's just well, a isn't that when all the hype came that you know this was this is all just made up? Hoax. <laughs> yeah, that the 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 backlash from the other side was this is made up, and they tried to pull the legitimacy away from him and the documentary by saying that. And what happened around that, uh, the political field at that point in time, was they actually used the film to attack him. Um, which was bizarre to me because anyone that's seen this film, it is such a well-crafted, well-done documentary. Um, and so I watch a lot of documentaries and believe most of them are shaky cameras and, I mean, they're bad. So this was a really, really well-done one. And um, it was just, it was interesting that it could do so well on the one hand but be such a problem for him on the other. Uh, guys, we're about to go to break. When we come back, we're going to ask... Elisa Ireland a couple of questions about her transition into Hollywood and advice she would give to somebody who wants to get into Hollywood. Uh, I'm Summer Helene. We're on with Lisa Ireland and Paul Michael Bolin. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Termino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. 
Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off-limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day guys, welcome back Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We're on with Lisa Ireland and Paul Michael Boll and we're talking a little bit about what it takes to make it in Hollywood, how to package and what packaging is, why packaging is so important. We went into a little bit of a tangent earlier. Um, I am going to say, I am going to jump backwards and say please check out the Aspire app. It's called Aspire News. It's a protection, it's it's an app about protecting yourself and domestic violence. Um, It was put out by Dr. Phil McGraw and his wife it's been posted on behind the scenes you guys can get a link to it there at the app store and if you get a chance please give to the love lost memorial fund it's on the behind the scenes page it's on my personal page um i mean it really guys check out the story it's tragic and if you can't give at please at least send a note to dow he's been on this show a few times talking about um you know red carpet ready but Please at least send a note. He can he can use the support right now. Uh, Lisa, jumping back to a less depressing subject because you're a much less depressing subject. Uh, <laughs> it, it was wonderful, wonderful having you on the show today. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to get into this field, uh, especially in your field? Because yours is very artistic but it, and very creative, but it also is very, very intellectual. Um, so it's a nice melding. It's a great place for artists and intellectuals. Um, and for somebody that's got kind of b- both of those, it's right and left brain. What advice would you give to someone there? You know, I would say that there's a couple of things that I learned very early on in my early 20s that have allowed me to rise in this profession. And I, I'm going to say that they are temperament and the ability to listen. And really what I would say to those that are coming up and that want to get involved in this industry overall is that you know this too to be true, Summer. You have to be fearless. You have to be diligent. You have to pay attention. You have to really be willing to work hard. Your work ethic has got to be on point. You've got to be available at 9 o'clock at night just like you are at 6 o'clock in the morning. You've got to be able to ask questions and you've got to be able to show something new. 
something new, something to capture their interest. So how are you going to be different and what are you going to bring to the table that is going to be compelling and capture someone's interest when they think that they've seen it all? That's really, that's really, I think, that the highlight. And then don't be afraid to tell people, you know, we all take a lot of, a lot of crap, for lack of a better word. Yeah, oh, God, in this yeah, industry. we do. <laughs> We take a lot of crap, and you definitely have to show respect, and you definitely need to know when to be quiet and to listen. But if you feel like someone, and I've, I've been in the room with some pretty, pretty high-strung producers and leaders of some studios that really get into heated situations because they're under a lot of pressure, and sometimes they look for an outlet and they vent, and, you know, sometimes you've got to stand up, and I learned this lesson when I was in my early 30s. It took me that long to be able to say, you know what, please don't talk to me that way. And you know what? I've had, I've, I've had that position and taken that position with some pretty powerful leaders in the industry, and they respect you for it. But you've got to, you've got to choose your words carefully. You've got to pick your battles. Right, Summer? I, I agree with you. I've, I've told the story before. Um, my old boss was the president over at Paramount years ago. He threw a stapler at my head, uh, at a, a director, missed it, hit me. He yelled at me for not ducking. Um, <laughs> some of the best mm-hmm. advice I ever got was actually from that man. He said, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? There's a time you want to shut your mouth and listen and learn because somebody knows more than you or because they hold the cards, but you never want to put yourself in a position where you can get taken advantage of or abused. Um, there are especially, you know, in this industry, you hear a lot of horror stories about the way people are treated. Um, my stapler story is the least of them, but you, Lisa is completely right. There's a point that you want to stand up for yourself and say, hey, don't speak to me that way. Um, but it's knowing the difference between are you trying to be right or are you being abused? Because I've had people walk in who I've said, I don't like this, and they take offense. Um, those are the people that never get anywhere. But the people that say, hey, look, I know you're stressed out, but don't shout at me. I've had nothing but respect for because I can say myself, I'm guilty of it. Where I'm dealing with 50 deadlines and I'm freaking out and yelling just and this is from the other end of it where I'm stressed out and I don't even realize how roughly mm-hmm. I'm speaking to the person on the other end and as soon as they say to me hey why why are you yelling at me I I immediately respond and say I'm sorry I didn't even realize I was so I think Lisa right. presented two really good points one don't let people abuse you Tell them, you know, mm-hmm. it, you, you do have to stand up for yourself. But two, you need to listen. And uh, the way my old boss used to say it is, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Because you can only have one. Couldn't if you let everyone more. else be... <laughs> pardon? Couldn't agree more. Yep. <laughs> and that's it. Um, so, actually, Lisa, that's fantastic advice. We have about three minutes left on the show. Um, if people out there want to get into doing this, is there a way they can contact you or or get some advice from you or reach out? Absolutely. My email, my personal email is Lisa. Uh, well, I, I, prob- I, I, I probably wouldn't do that. Do you have a, do you have a page? We have a lot of oh. listeners. <laughs> I, I probably uh, wouldn't I'll, do I'll, that. I'll get, with, I'll get with Alexis and we can post Perfect. one after. Okay. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> like we have a lot of listeners. You don't, you don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we will set up a resource where you guys can get in contact with Lisa if you would like to and talk about this. Um, Lisa, what are you working on right now, can you say? 
You know, I am working on a pretty fun movie that's coming out in November. It's a kids' animated movie. I can't really talk too much about it, but it's been a really exciting week because I've had an opportunity to show something, once again, that has not been done before, so it would be an industry first. So more to come. But if there is an opportunity for me to just um, plug something, I certainly want to call out. Uh, it's actually a rescue um, organization for abused animals and animals that are found by the road and neglected. And there is a wonderful organization called startrescue.org. It's Start Rescue, S-T-A-R-T-R-E-S. C-U-E, startrescue.org. Um, I encourage your listeners to check that to out check and to also check out the Brittany Foundation. Both of those are amazing organizations here in Southern California um, that help get pets out of the streets and into loving homes. I love that. Guys, we're at the end of the show. I'm going to have Alexis put up a link to the Brittany organization and... The, the, it was stop pet, startrescue.org. I'm going to have Alexis put up a link to both of those. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. Paul, we didn't even get to talk about your pot strands today. We were going to talk <laughs> about Paul's marijuana strands, but we'll talk about that next week. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with the amazing Lisa Ireland and Paul Michael Bolin. This was Behind the Scenes. I'll see you guys next week. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.